I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Are you constantly seeking new things, new experiences, the novel, the interesting? If so, you may have neophilia, which is the love of new, interesting, or novel things. Most humans have a desire for the new. It's wired in our brains, but not everyone's on the same level, obviously. So how can we increase our love of new things, and how could that bring us more happiness? That's an important question. Earlier this year on his podcast, The Art of Happiness, our good friend Arthur Brooks asked this same question and went into some pretty interesting detail about it. And we talked earlier in the day today uh, during the uh, noon news uh, about having wow moments and why wow and awe and inspiration are so important to us. It keeps us curious, keeps us engaged, it keeps us thinking, and it also helps us to explore and actually have more empathy for things around us that are different or new. So Arthur Brooks began by sharing a story about his son, who was a really picky eater, and why he and his wife thought this was a significant problem. I didn't want him to be a picky eater, neither did my wife. And so we thought about it, and we talked about it, and we reasoned it out. And the reason was not you know, what you'd say to his pediatrician, which is, well, he probably won't get a, a proper macronutrient profile in his diet. I, I'm not that worried about that. We'd figure out some way around it, you know, chewable vitamins, I don't know, whatever. The problem was we didn't want him to grow up to be one of those picky people that doesn't want to have a variety of experiences because that's not a happy or a fulfilled life in my view and in my wife's view. You know, there's the famous poet and essayist Reiner Maria Rilke. He once wrote in his letters to a young poet, which is his most famous book, Only someone who's ready for everything, who doesn't exclude any experience, even the most incomprehensible, will himself sound the depths of his own being. So I think it's important for us to to think through. I I love the fact that they were less worried about whether or not their son was going to get the right nutrients. They figured that part would take care of itself over time. Uh, But getting locked into just one way or to being so insulated and, and so unwilling to engage in the new, the unexpected, the unknown... Uh, There are so many life lessons that are important in there for uh, our relationships, for our ability to work and interact with other people. Uh, Arthur went on and gave some really good advice of how we can foster or develop and learn how to be a better neophiliac. And so one of the things that I recommend is that you keep these data, that you're interrogating the data, as I mentioned before, on all the things that you like and don't like, and then you start experimenting with the things that you don't like regularly. So once a year or once every couple of years, go through this list of dislikes and try them again. And then watch a bunch of them are going to start flipping. And that's one way to actually become more neophilic, just picking things off the list that you're already foreclosed. Now, being focused on the new, the different, the novel, uh, the interesting, uh, all that is good, but it doesn't require, it doesn't mean you have to be an extremist in all of this. Arthur breaks that down. 
if you're used to going out with your friends, um, do something else on a Saturday night occasionally uh, or make new friends or invite new people over that you wouldn't ordinarily. So it doesn't have to be something radical and, you know, some extreme, you don't have to go bungee jumping in the Mekong Delta. You can, you can do, you know, more ordinary things than that and still get the neophilic surge of dopamine. So anytime there's a particular decision to be made, interrogate it by saying, am I seeking comfort or am I seeking curiosity? Am I seeking comfort or am I seeking curiosity? Let's break that down for a second. Think of that in terms of political discussion. Are you just looking for your comfort zone of what you know, what you've believed in the past, what you've come to believe about those that disagree with you? Or are you looking for something new? Are you open to be curious? And I I keep saying this, and this just keeps ringing more and more true to me, that one of the great threats to our society is, is not which political party wins an election or is in control or in charge of the government, the thing that threatens our society is the loss of curiosity. When we are no longer curious about why someone might think differently than we do or believe different than we do or might have a different life experience, if we're unwilling to engage with the new and the unknown, then all we have is what we already know. And you can't survive there. You can't thrive there. You have to be willing to engage in the unknown if you're ever going to learn anything. I worry more about the loss of curiosity, often fostered by our own creation, our own social media bubbles, our our own tribalism. The more we do that, the less curious, the less inquisitive we're going to be and Look at it historically. All the great breakthroughs, all the great breakwiths, whether that's in science or business or philosophy, all come when someone asked a better question or were willing to stay with the question a little bit longer. Uh, Arthur Brooks concluded by defining a neophiliac and explaining why having a love of new things can actually bring you more happiness? You know, what does it mean to be a neophiliac? And the answer is to be hungry for life, to be fully awake, to be in the work of the words of St. Irenaeus, to be fully alive. And, and, and that's what we really want to be, whether or not we're, you know, we're cranking between new experiences constantly or not, is to be hungry for life, hungry for what life has to offer. Because life is a beautiful thing and an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. The, the secret of happiness, the art of happiness, is seeing your life as an adventure, waking up each day and saying, ah, yeah, what does it have in store? You know, to have like a Lewis and Clark experience. That's a beautiful thing. We all could use a little Lewis and Clark type experiences in our day. Uh, so that's a good question for us on a Monday. You know, can variety and novelty actually bring us happiness? Can it actually help us think better and more clearly? Can it lead us to higher level conversations and better solutions in our homes and neighborhoods, in our community and in our country? Uh, I think it can. And we have to be willing to lean into that, uh, to embrace the new, to embrace the different, uh, to have a conversation with someone 
from a different background, a different race, a different religious experience. Uh, to have someone uh, engaged in a conversation uh, and actually listen to them, to be curious, to say, teach me something new. Uh, I keep going back to the uh, conversation uh, I had with uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, uh, which we, we've shared on this program. And uh, and actually today marks the anniversary of his passing. And I was listening earlier today uh, to a tribute uh, by Tony Blair, former prime minister of Great Britain, uh, talking about this great rabbi. And I think the story that resonates for most people about Rabbi Sachs was that he was always engaging in the new, the new conversation. Uh, he was a, a neophiliac extraordinaire. Uh, but the story that everyone always comes back to was when he went to meet with the renowned atheist Amos Oz and how everyone thought that was such a bad thing because this atheist just opposed everything that Rabbi Sachs held dear. And someone asked him, Rabbi, what are you going to do? Are you going to try to convert the atheist? And he said, no, I'm not going to try to convert the atheist. I'm going to do something far more important. I'm going to listen to him. And that sparked a series of conversations. Uh, You could call it the Neophiliac series with Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, where they were curious. They were willing to engage and learn something different that they never had supposed, that they had never thought about. And when we do that, we're happier and we always get to a better place together. We're going to step aside for Top of the Hour News. When we come back, Phil Rossetti is going to talk to us about how we're counting what we spend in Washington, D.C. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.